Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of the St. George's Rug and Staff, the official podcast of the Church of St. George the Martyr in Kailsuba, alongside the chapelries of St. Mark and St. Monica. I am Lindsay Shooters and I am joined as always by the rector of our parish, the Archdeacon Rodney Whiteman. Father Rodney, how are you doing on this glorious day? Hi, Lindsay. I'm I'm um, I'm doing well. We had I've been busy today with a funeral this morning and a burial, and also a wedding in the mid mid of the day. So um, I've been busy, and um, family is okay. I've been away for the week uh, um, at the at a meeting with the bishop. Um, looking at the life of the diocese currently and going forward. And yeah, we have had, we had a good conversation around various things and um, particularly the impact of COVID on people's lives and family life mm-hmm. uh, at the loss of loved ones. And, and also, of course, the economic challenges that many congregations face and of course their communities face we play a round of golf which i enjoyed but haven't done so for the past five years and though generally my game would be i would consider my my game good i don't know what my final score was but i did play a few holes quite quite okay and then of course um I decided to land in a dry dam, and when yeah. I wedged my way, when I wedged my ball out of the dam, um, I went up a a, a the, the, the the sort of the edge of the dam and slipped down the first time, and then I I fell down the second time. So I've got a bit of a thumb that's been injured, and stiff and sore and and swollen. But I suppose, you know, when you're out there in the woods, you have to accept the challenges that come your way, uh, particularly when you can't be as flexible as a young-bodied person. Uh, um, But I survived all of that so far, although there's a little bit of pain and unease, but it's, I'm doing okay. Thank you very much for, for that. And then, of course, today we had fun. We had fun. And I put funny inverted commas because the where I was doing the funeral <clears throat> at Val Valmut, just behind us there was another funeral alongside us. There was so it was quite a busy day at the at the graveside, and then some of the people that were part of the group I was with got a little bit uneasy because they sort of heard a little bit of 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 noises coming from the back of us. And then mm-hmm. one of them was saying, Oh, you're not a sicker gangster what no begrave work. Hulle gaan sicker nou die salute gee. Of course, I was trying not to take notice of it because I didn't want to give people the information that I may be looking and am concerned about it. And then a few of their people broke away you know, wherever they were going to, but a little rowdy. And then I just, I turned back to see the guy lift up the gun and shoot three times into the air. Mm. Um, and, you know, the place is crowded. Where where could those bullets have fallen? Um, mm. And then 
And, uh, you know, the guys around um, sort of raising their arms in the salute, almost like a Hail Hitler sign, you know, mm-hmm. salute. And I just wanted to know about the culture and, and the spirituality and the celebration of this man who was a, a soldier, I suppose, in mm. the eyes that had now fallen. And um, I, I did sort of go around asking myself the question, what was the dignity of all of this? You know, if you if you embrace a type of lifestyle, you do so with dignity and pride. But there's nothing, you know, there's a subhuman way of of even celebration. Um, mm. What concerned me, of course, is that these guys had the guts to to put off a gun where there were so many people around. Um, so what respect did they show for others? Um, and there was no law enforcement around. And then our our undertaker said that two weeks ago there was a, there was another incident like that, and law enforcement came and 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 uh, started uh, um, searching them. But the the known thing is that you slip the gun to a woman, and the police won't even search the woman. So. I got away with it. I don't know. I like I I run my dogs a lot in that cemetery because it's right around the corner from me. Um and yeah, I it's, it's always busy. That that's been the that's been the lesson for me out of out of like lockdown. It's like it's always busy at Velmut um cemetery, but in the last 12 months it has just exploded with activity actually. Um, yeah, and many, many, many parties were not obeying what the, the law was saying. I mean, in terms of how many of numbers around the graveside, um, yeah, that was that was quite evident. Uh, but yeah, I mean, just as that cemetery has expanded as well, um, because you probably were above the the river there. Hey, yeah, the well, I was even. Yeah, we were right at the top, basically. There were people, one or two or three gravesides above us, but we were in the top section of it. Yeah. Of the what's yeah, close to the other side, not your side of the fence, the other fence. Yes. Yeah, that top section opened up very recently. Um, and, but I mean, you, you, are, you, you, you know all these things. I mean, you, you visit there almost as often as I do. <laughs> yes, I do. I just don't run my dogs, though. <laughs> Oh, it's fine. I mean, most most mornings I'll be out there at like six thirty, um, and it's quite quiet. It's just the people setting up, obviously, to to dig the graves and all that sort of thing. Um, now and again, you'll get an unsavory character, um, but yeah, most of the time it's, it's quite peaceful, actually. Uh, Father, it's Human Rights Day, obviously being observed on Monday, um, in terms of the public holiday because it falls on a Sunday. I will always and forever remember it as Sharple Day because I believe it is important to remember some of the senseless atrocities that happened where um, those people were massacred just for trying to abide by the law. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, and yeah, there was no actual aggression that was happening there. It was just a, a senseless act um, that happened in the apartheid government. And these, these stories have been coming up a lot lately um, as certain political parties are trying to push their agenda forward. Um, and yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a strange moment 
where we are getting so much of what we asked for over the last year, but those who were most vocal in asking for it, for the economy to open up, for the vaccines to happen, for all these things, are now finding completely other topics to um, rally against the government on, which is, yeah, it's, it shows more what the motivation was, that the motivation was never about the people. But the person who always acts in favor of the people and the polarizing political mm-hmm. figure that follow um, Jesus, yeah, he drops one of his... It's not really a parable. <laughs> it's more like uh, a proverb, the proverb of, of the wheat. Um, uh, but we'll get to that. Uh, Father, if you could just call us together with the collective prayer, and then I'll catch up to you. Glory in Jesus Christ, you reveal the way of life. Inscribe your law in our hearts, that we may not stray from you, but remain your faithful people through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with the Holy Spirit, one God, now and for Amen. Amen. So, Father, the first reading is Hebrews chapter 5, verses 5 to 10. Um, I am going to call you to verse 8. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And having been made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. Having been designated by God a high priest according to the order of I'm not going to attempt that name. I'm not. I think it's Melchizedek. Yeah. I'm not mistaken. Melchizedek? Melchizedek. Well, potato, potato, father. Uh, what we need to focus on here <laughs> is the perfection angle. So this is Paul speaking to a Hebrew audience. Um, he himself being a former Hebrew. So we know We've unpacked over the many, many weeks what he was trying to, like the argument he was trying to have, or at least the point he was trying to bring across. So this is now converting an audience, and then he has to set up. But so Jesus was made in God's image. That is what the faith says. And then he was made flesh, so he took on our form with all of our weaknesses, but now we're saying that he was made perfect. What, what is the rationale here? The jury is still out, has been for a long time, as to whether this was actually Paul's letter. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the most, the, 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 the understanding would be that Apollos may have actually been the author of this, um, of this letter, but be that as it may, what was the author or authors trying us to understand who Jesus is? Trying to get those that were the audience to understand who Jesus is. Of course, this is a very difficult thing because it, it's, our, it's a reflection back to what was presented about him in terms of the storytelling and how it was interpreted around his death and resurrection. One of the things that they that they em, em, embraced about the gospel Jesus of the gospel of Jesus is that he was a son. 
does this speak to his humanity? Does this also speak to his divinity? Uh, coming to earth, God coming to earth becomes a son, remains. The response from the humanity goes back to the Garden of Eden. As I told you, every week we get back to the Garden of Eden. What mm. was the thing that was asked for in the Garden of Eden was uh, obedience to God. Now, it says here he learned obedience. So in a way, the humanity is being expressed here. That as one in human flesh, human flesh has, as it were, they were ostracized after the, the, the disobedience that happened there, broke their relationship. This new human, as it were, this, this is what God intended humanity to be, a son in relation to God, a brother and sister in relation to, in relation to other human beings, in um, a, a, peace, a peaceful and just and, and equal um, relationship. That where obedience is learned, obedience is taught, obedience is embraced as part of the way we relate to God. Mm. But now yeah. obedience is learned through suffering. If we go back to the gospel readings, how is Jesus' suffering portrayed to destroy him? And he was, he was a refugee in Egypt. His parents fled with him because Herod was looking for children his age to, to kill boys his age. So he had to run away from his own hometown, which brings a certain amount of suffering to it. Then when he grew up and began to preach, teach, and do the miracles of his ministry, there was also a large measure of suffering because of the antagonists against what he was doing. The crowds embraced him. The crowds followed him, but they tried to listen to him. They even obeyed and believed in him. But Jesus was ostracized. Jesus was criticized. Jesus was then condemned to death. And we know that the, the uh, culmination of the suffering is in the form of therefore to suffer. Is that a way in which obedience is achieved? Now, the jury is still out around suffering and the purposes of suffering and all that kind of stuff. So they must, in the mind of the authors be, and the community, be learned behavior uh, embraces also the experience of suffering. Um, mm. And where did suffering come from? At the hands of humanity, at the hands of those who should have embraced him but didn't want to. And I suppose being a, more, a normal part of those who journey on this earth with all its challenges. Now, learning obedience through suffering the only way to see the outcome would be perfection. There is a process and a trial. If you go back to Old Testament times, when we think of how silver and gold and other metals to get its true value, its true perfection, you use heat, you hammer it into shape. It begins to take form and shape. And so when we look at the final product, its value just beams from, from it. And, um, mm. and even there, there's a dispute about how much is it truly worth? Because in some people's eyes, it's more and other people's eyes is less. 
and he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. So, so who did Jesus become for us? Because as the son, he lent obedience to suffering and God perfected him. Therefore, because God perfected him, we no longer need to be those who are, are um, ravished by the lustfulness of our flesh, but that we can have salvation, which is eternal, and that Jesus mm -hmm. is the source of that mm -hmm. salvation. But again, yeah, the call is to obey him. That's the, 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 the kind of relationship we enter in, into with Jesus, one in, in which we know that he, the call that he makes upon our lives. To share in his life as one who is who was willing to learn obedience through suffering. Who better to follow than somebody who already knew the value of suffering? Um, and so obedience to him is um, is a required, as it were, required response to a growing relationship with our Lord Jesus. So this is the way that the writers began to reflect on, and, and you can see Old Testament tags there. Uh, Melchizedek mm. was an Old Testament priest, and he was, um, he was, and he was, he, he, around Melchizedek, there's an order of priests, of priesthood, of perfect priesthood. So out mm. of all of this, Jesus then uh, is seen as someone who emulates the priesthood of Melchizedek. But more than that, while Melchizedek was a youth, Human being, Jesus is to be of a higher order than, mm. than, than, than Melchizedek. So in a way, Melchizedek's, the order of Melchizedek's priesthood um, is fully realized in the priesthood of Jesus. Um, not only the one, the priesthood of, of Melchizedek offers the, the sacrifice. Jesus mm. I get you on that, but let's let's circle back to like the, the suffering thing where I mean I I vocalized it before where it's like there's this idea that it's almost I mean to use the parlance of the time, it's almost a toxic idea of suffering within Christianity where you have this expectation that you must be put through hardship before you can realize glory. Um and it's 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 that idea that has been thrust upon many many populations where one group wants to dominate the other through like the missionaries or like spreading the the, the church to to various places. Um, and it's I'm, I'm growing tired of of it. I'm growing tired of that mentality um, because practical examples you will get women who will stay in abusive marriages because this is somehow the cross that they must bear, you know? Yeah, I think, I, th I, 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 I hear what you're saying, but here, of course, becomes the problem of interpretation. Mm. Let's assume people had chosen to believe Jesus. Would they have taken him to the cross? Or was the inevitability of the suffering 
because people had rejected his way as the way of God. And mm. so in order for him, I mean, he himself questioned the value of the suffering. Lord, the cup you want me to drink is bitter. Mm. Should I still drink it? Nevertheless, not my will, but your will. How do we get them to realize what you want to do for them? Well, rather than beat them up and 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 and, and de destroy them, let me rather embrace the suffering that they are wanting to impose upon me. Mm. It was not something mm. that Jesus just embraced. He comes and he's born in the manger, but because Herod was threatened that he was announced as a prince, as a king, mm. Herod now wanted to impose suffering. But rather to embrace the anger and the bitterness of your opponent, rather than to, and the consequences of embracing your opponent takes us right back to Sharpville Day. Mm. A powerless people stands and decides they've had enough of injustice. Mm. They've had enough of, of, of being treated as less than human. The mm. past laws and their past books was a symbol of reminding them that they were enslaved, that they were mm. not fully mm. human. And so they they took the law on and those who proposed this evil law and face of those who are to uphold the law. And what happened was the consequences of breaking that law, 69 people lost their lives. I think it was 189 people who were injured as a result. Mm. Now, did they do mm. that action because they wanted to suffer? Yet, when we look back at their martyrdom, when we look back at how they embraced uh, the, 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 the consequences of, the, of an evil law um, that was in force, we look back and say their sacrifice, the spilling of their blood, the suffering mm. that they went through on that day gives us an opportunity to create a society that they believed in, where there was equity amongst all people. They didn't mm. do that because they wanted suffering, but they endured it because they took, as it were, speaking truth to power. And Jesus did that. Jesus took truth to power. So the question would be, if you're doing right, why do you have to suffer? Mm. And yet, how do you defeat the suffering that is imposed by your opponent who doesn't want to hear what you say, who wants to keep you oppressed and silenced, who wants to uh, tell lies about you? And you have no weapons. And even in Jesus' case, we are told in the gospel reading, Weapons was available, called Legion of Angels, to, to destroy them. But he wasn't going to do it that way. Rather, he embraced the consequences of their evil laws, um, the interpretation of the law and of covenant, and he died.
rather than and one us giving us this becoming the source of eternal life because God had perfected him through his suffering through his mm. willingness to become the ultimate sacrifice so out of his life emerges not revenge but eternal salvation for all a source of eternal salvation for all who would obey him so when we reflect back now it's very interesting though that it took 34 years for government to um for government to acknowledge sharpful day 34 years it had to wait to acknowledge them as martyrs yet every year at that day as a turning point in our now the authors of the hebrew text is helping us to reflect on why jesus should be obeyed and why he should follow and what his life was as the ultimate priest for us all who was not only offering the sacrifice on our behalf before god but he was also the sacrifice uh, of 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 god for us in order to ensure that we have a source of eternal life eternal salvation and we come to embrace that through our obedience to him so when we when we look at the suffering of those who died on sharpful day in the 1960s we look back and we see why it's not just sharpful day why it's now become human rights day in south mm. africa because it's embracing all of its citizens that mm. that the right of every human being in living even if you a foreigner and a refugee from other parts of africa from other parts of asia uh, from the west if you found your refuge in this country your human right must be upheld at every level so sharpful day sacrifice doesn't stop with a sharpful day sacrifice it moves on to where it embraces all of humanity it embraces everyone no matter what the color of your skin is it's giving mm-hmm. a message i think the author to the hymn wrote it beautifully when she said if i may just read that part oh god may all your children enjoy these gifts each day so human rights is not a matter of once in the celebration uh, annually it is every day that people must experience the joy of celebrating their humanity and celebrating humanity collectively and celebrating mm. humanity as a gift that god endowed us with embrace our humanity in order to bring salvation to it and to restore mm. it back to what god intended mm. humanity to be okay uh, so skipping forward to cuz 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 jesus does actually reiterate a lot of these points um so the gospel is according to john chapter 12 verses 20 to 33 um bringing you down to 
uh, verse 23, which is the hour. So Jesus answered, there's a group of Greeks who are in Galilee for the festival, and they want to see Jesus. And he's like, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who love their life lose it. And those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, there will, be, there will my servant be also. Whoever serves me, the Father will honor. Now my soul is troubled. And what should I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it is for this reason that I have come to this hour. Then God makes one of his appearances that just validates Jesus. But going, going back to this idea of having to fall to the floor and die, having to give up what you love, having to suffer to be at his side. to like Because suffering is giving up or at least sacrificing the pleasures of the flesh is a little bit of suffering. So why were we made in flesh if not to enjoy the pleasures thereof, not to take joy out of the pleasures? So again, I ask, like, in today's context where the Christians of today know the end story, they, like, know what happened, they believe in Jesus is it still helpful or necessary to keep banging the suffering and sacrifice drum? You know, my response to you would be this. Every day, you are the grain. Mm. Your job means to put yourself out there into a world where you can be slaughtered. You told me earlier on your opinion around the Galaxy phone that you decided to put out there. When you put yourself out there, people took you on with their different opinions. So this is a beautiful parable. A wheat, a grain of, in order to become the produce, it has to be buried. It has mm. to go underneath, and yet the nutrients of being underneath gives it the kind of growth it needs to emerge above the ground in order for it to grow, in spite of the elements, into a produce for, 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 um, for the food line. I think we are, that's what we are, all, 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 our lives are like, though we we are we are huddled in our fears because we don't want to put ourselves there because we're afraid that we'll be slaughtered. Um, but if you put yourself out there, you 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 living your life in a way of of of, of sacrifice when you put yourselves out there every day when you live when you go into the shops, when you engage people when you're going to do your job. It's all mm. with idea of yeah. sacrifice. In order to achieve something, sacrifice comes into the play, into this frame. 
so so Jesus says, um, those who serve me must follow me. So if I'm living this life, if I'm giving you this example, then that's exactly what your life will be like. But look what will happen. My whoever serves me, the father will honor. That brings us now to how God says, I will glorify your name. I've glorified and will glorify it again. But the purpose of that voice coming from heaven this time around was not to affirm who Jesus is, but so that those who are standing around may hear it. What was it all about now when he speaks about being placed into the ground like wheat, like a grain of wheat does? When he's talking about uh, to say that, but when you buried under the ground as a grain of wheat, you're not inactive. The nutrients of the soil help you to grow and emerge. So the power of God, even when you can't see it, in the presence of God, even when you can't see it, is working underneath. And it will emerge. It will be glorified. And the wheat is pushed through and it begins to grow. God is glorified. God is glorified when we serve. If you were just huddled in your home, how will you be? Instead, you will be called lazy and unproductive and incompetent and all the, the wonderful names that we give one another. And yet, Jesus is saying, this is exactly what I'm calling you to do. And yes, there will be an hour, a specific hour, when eventually somebody would want to put your candle out. Mm. But I'm open to that says Jesus. I'm open to that because I know that in that hour God, God will be that hour is related to Greeks coming to the festival to worship. Mm. These were outsiders. These were not the people for whom Jesus came. In the first place remember that's what he said to us in Matthew's gospel about mm. the children mm. that feed the children at their, their table and not the, the crumbs under the table. And the woman said, I'd, better eat, I'd rather eat the crumbs under the table because I at least know that there's something in there for me. Mm. So she had gone out about him. And that people from a wider group of nations were responding to him. And, and all that they wanted to see, sir, we wish to see Jesus. Mm. That's really what they became. To, all our longing, we came all this way from Greece. We came to see the, the festival at worship, but our desire was really much more than just being at a festival of worship. We want to see Jesus. And it's amazing how in the Gospel of John, this word keep coming up. Um, right at the beginning in chapter one, Philip, yes, Philip and Andrew again, they wanted to see where Jesus was living. And he said, come and see. This morning's gospel that I read at the funeral, John 11, Jesus says to them, where is he laying? Where, where's, where's Lazarus buried? And they say to Jesus, come and see. Mm. So that seems to be very peculiar to the gospel of John. Come and see. Come to that, that place where, where it is, where, where, where the defining reality will happen. So I see that the hour as now Jesus says the message has gone out. 
people have heard, they are responding, and now I'm ready, Lord, to to go. If my if this mm. is what my hour is, my hour is not about re rejoicing in my suffering as it is that I'm willing to go to suffer now because people have re responded to me even before the act of my suffering. They listened to the word, and so I'm willing, like the grain, to be buried in the in the ground. I'm ready to be planted into the ground. I'm ready for my blood to spill on the ground, because underneath it all is your power working, your presence at, at work where people cannot see, but they will see when it emerges, and it will emerge. Mm. It's that's it's the same response I have to the power of prayer, where it's like I can be called arrogant for this because it is a belief of mine, but I'm happy to not have to rely on a higher power to validate my mission. It's not like I'm asking for something else to empower me to do what I feel is right, to achieve the justice in the world that I want to see. Um, it's like I don't have to go kneel down and pray to a higher power to for that kind of thing. It's like I know that it exists within me um, and I'm confident in my own abilities, although there are low times where you don't feel confident. I was actually having a chat with um, a friend and business partner of mine where he also he was telling me about the ups and downs that he goes through and he was busy closing a really incredible deal um and but he was having imposter syndrome um and and yeah i'm 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 happy to know that it is part of my humanity to have those feelings um and then to push through it uh yeah it's not really an, an argument that I have because like that is one of those points that I won't be swayed on and I think we've been running into this wall a couple of times now I think this is the third week in a row where we will end this discussion at least I will from my side um, having not moved any further away from my standpoint uh, father this has been fascinating as always um, you I am very keen to hear your your response um, and then after that if you could just pick out a few brief reflections from the praise of the church. My first response to you on this part of the conversation is you started off with an I believe statement. Mm. How is belief in us a natural response of trust when we are babies? We're relying on others outside of ourselves who are giving us indications that they are trustworthy. Mm. So our responses to them is either smiles because we can trust them. They make the creating and a, an environment of friendliness and of mm. trust. So the, the creation of the environment calls upon me to respond. It is very interesting that I'm listening to sounds as well. Even though at a few months, my eyes are not yet focused on all the different things because I'm thinking, I'm looking at things in color. 
not mm. necessarily in focus. Yet I'm responding to their touch, to their to the words or their sounds that come from them, and the look the look at they're looking at me, the focus they're giving mm. me. So if that is really true, you then have come to believe that your mother and father were there for you based on that initial experiences. Mm. It was not something you knew outside of the environment you were placed in. Mm -hmm. We are placed into an environment where therefore Christians, it calls for us to ask questions about things you and I know humanity cannot even make as much as we come to the artificial, the artificial is not the real. So we are, we are seeking our, um, you know, you, you're, an, you're a Saint Augustine in the first part of his prayer, Lord, our hearts are restless until we find our rest in you. Why? Mm. Because you made us for yourself. Now, you're responding to the environment of work. You're responding to your reliability on an instrument that people have said to you, this phone will do magic for you. Now mm. you check it out. And once you've checked it out, you've uh, developed a belief or a disbelief in what mm. was produced, what was made. So maybe you didn't have fun with the Galaxy last week um, and you said so. And others who've come to believe that the galaxy is the be-all be and the end-all, took you on mm. and said, your belief is wrong, or rather your unbelief is wrong. They took you on. I think the environment in which God has created us, both with the reality of creation and with the reality of Christ, Christ crucified, Christ risen and 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 all. We are responding and our response, as the Gospels teach us, is either one of faith or constant questioning. Can I really trust this? Can I really trust it when the authors to the Hebrews say to me, this is who Jesus is. He was mm -hmm. a son who lent obedience through suffering. Having been made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all the believers. Can I trust it? Do I need the son who is also determined and designated as God's high priest along the orders? Why is that so relevant to my life? And do I therefore need what he is to offer? Eternal salvation. Is there that that I need to do? And yet for your economic salvation, you're responding to the environment of technology in that field, and that helps you even more with your response. Of course, part of your response is critique. Mm. And that's where I end off my response to you. Thanks, Lindsay. In our prayer time, let us always remember to give thanks to God through Jesus Christ. Uh, the thanks we offer is that... God has given to us Christ and appointed him as the son whom he has begotten. Also, we give thanks to God because God 
seeks to write his laws on our hearts. And as we think of that, we think of the laws created by humanity and what laws did on Sharpful Day. It robbed people of their lives. It robbed families of their loved ones. And yet, we are still celebrating the sacrifice of those people. So now we know the laws of man can destroy, but the laws of God in our hearts can give hope. In our intercessions, we continue to pray that God will, will vitalize, revitalize the church through the Spirit, even in these times when it's difficult to meet collectively, to still be a presence for God in the world. Also, we pray that Jesus will continue looking upon the world with compassion, making the dry bones of political intrigue come to life that all may dance in God's freedom. And then we pray that even as Jesus knew the depth of a troubled soul, may we all know his blessings of healing upon us, particularly that we will embrace what science has helped us in terms of the vaccine to address COVID-19. We continue to pray for all peoples that even as Sharpful Day sacrifice now focuses on human rights, we will embrace each other as brothers and sisters in collective hope. So we ask you, Lord, to send your word and we shall be restored to wholeness in you. We commend to you, Lord, all who have died this past week. And we pray that you will hold your cross, Lord Jesus, before us, that we may have eternal life. As we pray for the continued healing from COVID, thank God for the vaccines. We thank God for the gift of another 66,000 uh, uh, files of the, the vaccine that landed today in our country and we thank Lord for over the hundred and odd thousand that has already received it and we pray for the 40 million um, vaccines that, that the plan to have 40 million people vaccinated by the end of this year and then we pray for uh, awareness, activism, and advocacy against gender-based violence, and pray that God may empower those who have gone through the being bruised and battered, that they may become advocates for justice and protection. And so let us go to serve Christ and follow him. Let our old life fall like a grain of wheat into the earth so that we may bear much fruit as you allow God to reshape your heart and live in obedience to the law written within, within you. May the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be amongst us and remain with us always. Amen. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord in the name of Christ.